Hi, I'm Paul Swinflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we're back out on the road as we discuss vulnerability assessment in the digitally transforming world. So, settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Uh, so, on this week's show, we're going to revisit um, a topic that we did probably about a year ago when I spoke with Darren Gibbard of Qualis around uh, vulnerability assessment. Uh, and the reason we're doing it is because of the ever-changing, transforming world that most of us spend our day-to-day technical lives in. Also means that we have to change the way that we look at vulnerability assessment uh, and the way that that needs to involve, evolve. Uh, so, to help me to do that, I'm joined by a special guest today, uh, Marco Rotini. Hi, Marco. How are you? Hi. Very good. Thank you. So great to see you here today. And um, and well, well, before we get talking about our subject, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is you do? Hello, everyone. And uh, um, yeah, I'm uh, I joined Qualys uh, a few months ago uh, as a CTSO or Chief Technical Security Officer for EMEA, uh, with the main role of uh, you know connecting with customers and speaking with partners and customers across Europe and EMEA and uh, trying to understand uh, what they think about security, how they operate Qualys when they do, and what is their security roadmap, and how the two things fit together. So bringing, this brought me to from customer to customer, and uh, uh, trying to understand uh, what is the level of maturity, what is the level of uh, uh, how they intend to face digital transformation in a way, uh, and, and all the related challenges. You know, when digital transformation, when you take off the marketing uh, uh, dress of it, uh, you, you realize that it's just a set of IT challenges. Uh, some words to define them are DevOps, or how to evolve into DevSecOps, uh, how to mature your vulnerability uh, assessment and management process, uh, uh, how do you move to the cloud, what's your priority in moving to the cloud, how do you face uh, new trends and challenges such as enterprise mobility or uh, containerization of your applications, and, uh, and where security should fit in all these spaces. Because, uh, obviously, security cannot be an afterthought. It's much better to build it in versus bolting it on afterwards, which is way more costly. Uh, speaking more about uh, the level of maturity of our customers, what we have seen is uh, uh, a growing evolution from considering uh, vulnerability assessment uh, in the least mature cases uh, as uh, a tactical tool, uh, where, let me say, that one vendor worth the other, because just to... to, to assess the vulnerable surface uh, uh, is not a big task per se. The big challenge comes when you evolve to uh, vulnerability management, uh, which boils down to how you prioritize uh, your context, uh, how you understand the context around a given vulnerable surface, uh, and how you prioritize the remediation. And uh, this operational evolution is significantly remarkable uh, in the light of digital transformation. It, it comes to my mind uh, uh, from the development side of things, uh, uh, the difference between uh, a waterfall approach and agile approach in terms of development methodology. In the waterfall approach uh, applied to vulnerability management, uh, uh, you scan maybe once a month, maybe once every six months, and, uh, and then you get a report. 
and you use the report to drive the business as usual processes, uh, like you deliver the report to application owners, uh, you expect the application owners to, uh, to remediate the, the, the vulnerable surface, and once they notify you that uh, uh, they remediated the, uh, the, the vulnerable surface of, of the vulnerability, uh, you wait until the next scan to verify if this has been remediated properly. And this, of course, doesn't cope very much with the velocity and with uh, the pace that you need to keep when you are digitally transforming your, your, your company. Uh, so the, the, the evolution from VA to VM, one of the first distinctive traits in this respect is using reports to spot defective moments or defective angles in your business as usual processes versus driving them. Uh, can, can I just ask actually? So, so that's, that's really interesting background into kind of um, the, the way Qualys has seen the market move. Um, and maybe for people listening to this show who perhaps didn't catch uh, when we spoke with Darren maybe a year or so ago about what Qualys do, um, maybe it's maybe just worth a quick review of kind of what Qualys do. Because you've talked about things there like uh, vulnerability assessment and vulnerability management. Um, so, so, yeah, what, what, what is what do qualities do in the market and what do we mean by these terms vulnerability assessment and vulnerability management? Right, so in a nutshell uh, our mission is to harmonize uh, the needs of IT security and compliance and uh, to uh, effectively tackle this, uh, this vision and this challenge we built an architecture many years ago uh, built on decoupling the moment in time and the place where we collect information across the digital landscape from the place and time where these data are processed, refined, sliced and diced and presented to different audiences. This way we can create a kind of a single source of truth uh, where different silos in a company uh, can, uh, can uh, get this data from. Uh, Ultimately, we realize that IT people and security people and compliance people, they are tend to looking the same data from different perspectives, from different purposes. But if you look at the server, you're always looking at the server. If you are from IT, you may be interested in the list of software that this server is installed with, or maybe the um, end of maintenance date for this server. If you're from security, you might be seeking for um, signs of compromise or what is the vulnerable surface of this server or how this server can be exploited or attacked. And uh, if you're from compliance, you might be wanting to check if the server uh, complies with all the controls of that given framework that you are, given, you are adopting in your company organization. Um, and uh, by doing this, we developed a platform uh, that is uh, composed of several microservices. Uh, in a way, we start to adopt a digital transformation before many others. Uh, we started to, to move to DevOps uh, uh, way of doing things back in 2005. And uh, in, from 2015, uh, we started developing all of our applications in the form of microservices and containers. Uh, so this is to say that today offer, Qualys offers a range of uh, cloud apps, that's how we call them, uh, to tackle from a functional perspective all the different nuances of harmonizing IT security and compliance. And uh, 
vulnerability management uh, it has been historically our biggest talent and uh, still today represents a wide majority of our customer base. But we are now helping customer to shift and to, uh, uh, to evolve uh, towards a complete awareness of the situation and the vulnerable surface across a digital uh, infrastructure and digital environment that became very varied. So, so is, it, is it fair to say then that, that, that some of the change that you're seeing is that, because I think the way you, you described kind of uh, what Qualys have done traditionally and the way that your customers use, use the platform that you have, that you're starting to see not limitations in the platform but actually limitations in the way that customers are looking at this. So you described me before about how you know if you're the person who looks at servers you always look at servers but actually in this kind of uh, more modern and transforming world that we live in that actually our data and our applications aren't stored on some HP servers sat in a data centre anymore. They might be but they might also be sat inside of Azure or sat inside of AWS or sat inside of a you know, a colo facility or multiple different locations. So is, is some of the change that you're describing, is that, is that being driven by that and actually a need to have a, um, a, a much wider understanding of what's going on and again on a much wider scale of, of what that kind of digital infrastructure looks like? Yeah, indeed. Uh, the, the approach that we try to empower on our customers is to treat the digital environment and the digital infrastructure, or if you prefer, the digital landscape, as, as a whole. It doesn't really matter if you run your application within a data center, or if you are approaching containerization, or if you are moving to the cloud and, and creating some instances in Azure or Google Cloud Platform or Amazon Web Services, but you should keep uh, under control the visibility across these uh, uh, very diversified and very varied digital environments. That's why we use uh, different type of eyes or specialized observational points uh, to be deployed within this specific environment because monitoring or collecting information about an endpoint is radically different from collecting information about a network chunk or a mobile device that leaves the company perimeter to as part of a mobile workforce or to observe information about vulnerable surface of a container. Uh, or even more uh, having instant visibility across all the resources in a cloud account or a cloud instance. One, so visibility is the first capabilities that we aim to empower um, in, our, in our customers. And with great visibility comes great accuracy because if you don't have accuracy, you will not be able to... Uh, you. Your, your security operations will, will explode basically because the more the less accuracy you have the more events you have to investigate and there has been a recent study uh, committed to an analyst that said that, that uh, uh, there is an average of two people for two hours to investigate the security events or relevant security events. So if we do the math and we have some hundreds of uh, events because of inaccurate information, it's easy to understand how scarcely security operations can cope with that, no matter how big is the size of the customer of the organization. Um, beside visibility and beside uh, accuracy, of course, with digital transformation, the next capabilities that our customers should empower is the scale because without scale you cannot cope with an environment that again regardless of the size of the organization tend to expand and contract frantically over time 
uh, even the smallest organization, if they want to prototype a development of a new application infrastructure and they leverage containers and they leverage cloud, they see their environments uh, expanding dramatically for maybe a few weeks and then contracting back to the, to the form that it was originally three weeks before. Um, so in this, in this type of challenges, of course, you need to have proper visibility, proper capability, but proper scale of assessing your vulnerable surface, of seeing what you have, because you, you cannot defend what you don't see, or what you, don't, you, don't, you cannot defend what you don't know you have. And then um, you also need a fourth important capability, which is immediacy. Once you have, especially in very uh, diversified and wide digital environments, uh, you need to be able to interrogate this monitored population, no matter what the purpose is. It could be an IT guy, again, willing to understand uh, if this software is propagating properly across the, the, the installed base, or maybe a security investigator from SecOps uh, that is investigating a suspicious user that is starting to appear on very many servers. And uh, uh, ultimately, you may be one of those compliance guys. The compliance guys are interesting uh, human forms because they normally came at a later stage once all the IT and developers got excited about the new cloud evolution or the new container projects and say, hey guys, by the way, how this new environment that you have been developing copes with our compliance requirement for the given framework that we are adopting? And that is a bad moment because normally compliance is the last to came in, but the most important to, to be to be confronted. So that actually that leads on to, a, to an interesting question and, and while you was kind of describing, um, and, and there's a couple of things in there that, that I wanted to kind of pick up on. Um, so kind of you, the, the way you're describing this at the moment, it sounds very much like you know, this, this, we started off, didn't we, talking about this evolution of what we, you know, personally, what I might have seen with Qualys as this kind of vulnerability assessment platform. So this idea of vulnerability management. So, so maybe we'll start there actually. So, so you know, how, how do you see the difference between the two? Is it this is vulnerability management much more about what you're describing here? This immediacy, this uh, this visibility, this ability to have actionable ideas. Right. Or how do those capabilities convert into uh, into practice when you start from assessing the vulnerable surface? So. I was mentioning before how the least mature customers are still considering vulnerability assessment, like assessing, probing the network uh, and, their, and their installed base, uh, searching for vulnerability, to the evolution of this maturity into customers that are starting to understanding better uh, the context around the vulnerability to prioritize remediation. Prioritize remediation is a distinctive trait normally of uh, a vulnerability management versus vulnerability assessment. There is a furthermore an evolution towards threat and vulnerability management when uh, the customer starts to consume uh, uh, contextual information in the form of cyber threat intelligence applied to the context of vulnerability. Let me give you an example of that. Let's consider that the server has a severity 4 or severity 5 vulnerability, which means normally it is remotely uh, exploitable. Potentially, uh, applying the cyber intelligence to this uh, to this uh, context means uh, uh, how many exploits exist publicly for this given vulnerability? How many exploits are available in exploit kits? 
such as Angular or such as Rig or Neutrino, uh, so that it becomes even easier to exploit this vulnerable surface. And across these exploit kits, how many are actively used by that attack, attack campaign uh, that is leading to uh, the headlines uh, here and there? So this type of context, uh, which is more uh, intelligence than objective uh, uh, technological data about the vulnerability, allows a much better prioritization and allows especially to focus on that very small subset of vulnerability that you have to tackle first, you have to remediate first. Uh, once you achieve this level of consumption and this level of maturity and this level of agility in your threat and vulnerability uh, management process, then you are ready to apply the same level of maturity and the same uh, level of uh, um, uh, innovation and agility to other processes as well. For example, uh, you can shift right to the, with respect to how you remediate the vulnerability with a patch management solution uh, that reflects this same level of agility in uh, going from detecting a vulnerable surface into contextualizing, into transforming it into the workflow needed to fix that vulnerable space. Or you can uh, uh, use this refined data and supports your or start to support your security operations, uh, feeding the incident response processes with more mature and more contextual and more actionable data uh, to, to, to boost their efficiency. Or you can shift left towards DevOps, uh, bringing the same level of maturity where it all starts in the DevOps. So maybe integrating with uh, uh, tools like Jenkins or Bamboo, uh, commonly used for the DevOps process, uh, to uh, trigger the moment where the code goes from development into pre-production and into production state within an agile sprint, for example, to uh, trigger an assessment for the vulnerable surface. And if this assessment goes uh, uh, above a given threshold in terms of vulnerable surface, uh, the integration with these tools will stop the process of going into production. Or maybe it will allow the production in cases where business is first versus security, but then it will trigger a web application firewall from, from Qualys uh, to dynamically virtual patch this application so that even the code is vulnerable while it is being fixed by the developers uh, there is an instance of a virtual application uh, a web application firewall to prevent the attack to reach the vulnerable surface and then you can shift uh, down towards asset management applying the same principle of enrichment of normalization of classification of data to give a consumable information to the IT and asset management uh, uh, team to operationalize efficiency at that level as well. And last but not least, uh, uh, shift up towards your cloud projects and your containers project so that you apply the same visibility, the same accuracy, the same scale, the same immediacy uh, with uh, uh, cloud projects uh, in assessing uh, your inventory, in assessing your vulnerable surface, in assessing the misconfiguration. Especially when we talk about cloud and cloud deployment, uh, we assist to two trends. The first one is what I call the transposition of the traditional data center into a cloud account. Like you had one gazillion servers into your data center virtualized with that virtualization technology and you shift 
the same instances into your Azure or AWS account. This is maybe the least uh, or the initial uh, adoption of a cloud project. Then appetite raises and you start to disassemble your infrastructure to take advantage of how the cloud can instantiate atomic parts of an application infrastructure, such as a storage, such as a relational database, such as uh, an identity and access management instance or a network load balancer, to create that cloud-based application infrastructure, maybe even in a multi-cloud environment. So in this space, misconfiguration is the topmost uh, cause of data leakage. And there is a great publication from uh, CSA, the Cloud Security Alliance, uh, that is called the Treacherous 12. The Treacherous 12 is a set a bit romanced for my taste, but perfect uh, straight to the, to the point. Um, is a set of 12 stories of data leakage in the cloud. None of them happened because of a zero day. None of them happened because of a malware. All of them happened because I forgot to restrict the number of IP that can access to an S3 bucket, or maybe because I left a default password on a database, which are mistakes or misconfiguration mistakes that are hardly conceivable in a traditional architecture. But somewhat, when we move to the cloud, things happens this way as well. So, so uh, uh, there's a couple of things that we kind of come to an end of our time here that I, I kind of wanted to explore. One of them was th there's actually the way you've just described kind of that, um, th that changing way we deploy infrastructure. You know, we're no longer just deploying infrastructure in our data center. It's probably, you know, there's going to be elements of it in public cloud. We're moving increasingly to this requirement for much more agile ways of working. You know, we want to deploy infrastructure as code. You know, we want to software define things. We're, we're not necessarily deploying big lumps of hardware anymore. And, and listening to the way that, that kind of the problem that, as you see it for, for people in that kind of space is the difference, I guess, between just assessing and managing through to what you're talking about there in terms of automation of dealing with some of these issues. I mean, do, do, do you see automation as absolutely key in the way that people manage and, and re you know, reduce risk across their infrastructures in a kind of a modern, agile way of deployment? I particularly like this question because uh, I was I was encouraging customers in uh, focusing on four capabilities so far visibility accuracy scale and immediacy the last one is the most important and we call it transparent orchestration transparent orchestration is all about interconnecting your technologies or the technologies you've invested in to create information flows. I can't highlight enough how important this transparent orchestration is in a diversified environment like the one we are talking about. If we consider containers, containers are radically changing the way we conceive IT because they typically run on a totally serverless architecture. Or maybe they could run as smooth as in a Linux box with Docker installed, with Kubernetes installed in a traditional data center. That's what makes them so ephemeral. That's what makes them so difficult to tackle from a security standpoint. Uh, so automating and integrating your sources of data 
into one platform that can refine them, aggregate them, slice and dice them, overlay where it's needed intelligence or compliance framework to present the view you are expecting to consume, depending on which department you're in, is the ultimate secret to uh, boost operational efficiency and to boost operational effectiveness as well. Because you are treating your... Um, your whole digital environment uh, following the same, the same principles in a way. No matter if you're talking about uh, how you deploy uh, your applications using uh, uh, DevOps uh, or CICD pipelines, uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking about how you, you, you roll out in production uh, in uh, uh, your applications in a container infrastructure, maybe taking advantage of the latest evolution of this uh, uh, containerization, such as uh, AWS Fargate or maybe container as a service platform, uh, you always keep the same principle in uh, harmonizing the needs of IT security and compliance with a single source of data, but with multiple set of applications that you decide to turn on and turn off uh, depending on your needs. So, so the um, yeah, and, and I think that that you know, completely buy into that. I think the idea that um, it, the way that we look to deploy modern infrastructure today, you know, we we can't continue to deploy and meet the demands of modern infrastructure by deploying things in the way that we always have done traditionally. Um, and I suppose that leads onto my kind of my, my, my final question really that I had for you was. But if I'm somebody listening to this, if I'm a, a, an IT professional or I'm a decision maker listening to kind of the conversation we're having, and I'm thinking, I'm not really sure that I need this kind of assessment and this vulnerability stuff, and I, I don't need all this um, this, this, this automa automation that you're talking about. Now, what, what should I be looking at in my organisation that might make me think differently? You know, what, what kind of things should I look at in an organisation that, that perhaps drives a, a, an increased demand for the kind of things that you've been talking about? Well, first, uh, first is to realize that, as trivial as it sounds, you cannot defend, protect, assess what you do not see. So, first, start strong on asset management. And asset management, we are not talking anymore about uh, assessing what's surfacing on a network chunk in our data center that is completely under our control. Uh, so th this is the first, the first step. Then create a process uh, or several processes that first uh, discover and normalize and categorize all your assets and uh, organize them to be assessed by a vulnerability management program. This gives you the information and the context you need to decide the balance between efficiency and remediation and keeping the hygiene at a decent level. Ultimately, if we reduce the vulnerable surface, that's the only way by which we can have our security operation to survive because they need to focus on lower number of events and this is achievable with the current resources of companies. Given some side uh, challenges like retrieving good skill in cyber on the market, uh, the people shortage of this uh, uh, good level uh, of skill and uh, the complexity of incident response and the overall not so high maturity, let's say that way, in, in having proper incident response uh, processes, uh, uh, 
paves the way for for having a good vulnerable uh, surface reduced properly in place so that uh, they don't have to uh, to react frantically with incident response and with even more technologies yeah and i think there's a nothing great point there it's probably a really good way to end actually is that the idea that you know, for many of the things that we talk about in IT in, in general terms, in the way we t- we've mentioned the word transformation and digital transformation a number of times during this, this, this chat, that I think for a lot of organisations, they like the idea of being able to digitally transform, whatever that might mean, but they're, starting from, they're, they're, they're not necessarily even at a baseline in terms of what they know about their organisation, how secure it is, how much, you know, how much of the risk reduction they've already done before they start to make some of these changes. So, so I think you know, it's really important, you know, really interesting some of the things you've covered there. And I think you know, that, that kind of finishing point there as well with people about the idea that actually unless we have that baseline right, the idea that we're going to digitally transform and take advantage of all these new, wonderful, flexible and agile technologies is, is probably not somewhere we're, we're ever going to get to. So um, well, well, just we wrap up here, Marco. Um, if people uh, want to find out more about what Polis do or maybe find out more about you or, or haunt you on the internet somewhere, um, is there a way they can do that? Absolutely. Uh, well, our our uh, website, polis.com, is one of the... Uh, I know I'm, I'm biased and this is a disclaimer but because uh, I work for Polis, but uh, it's one of the most uh, uh, easily structured that I've seen lately in terms of how easy it is to uh, get to... Uh, uh, get information about a given a given functionality uh, beside that uh, uh, and beside the quality presence on LinkedIn and on uh, on Twitter uh, find more about me is as easy as to find roaring penguin across the internet that's my nickname so I'll make sure roaring penguin goes into the show notes um, and there's possibly another podcast episode to understand why you use the Twitter handle your roaring penguin um, but Marco look, I really appreciate time today Thanks very much. That's been a fascinating chat and I look forward to talking to you again in future. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and leave us a review? You can find us in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all of the good homes of podcasts. And if you'd like to be on Tech Interviews or have an idea for a show, then why not drop us a line at podcast at techstringy.com. So until next time, thanks for listening.